We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven, and I am your host. And joining me today is a good friend of the show, a new friend of the show, if you will. Uh, that is Coach Ed McGilvra, who is a free agent position defensive line coach, uh, here to talk about some of the guys that he works with uh, and some new additions on the Chargers in Morgan Fox and Sebastian Joseph Day. Uh, so, Coach Ed, thanks for taking the time to join me, man. How are you doing today? Man, I'm doing great. Um, beautiful day in SoCal. So excited. Always good when it's good weather. Yeah, I'm really jealous. You know, you and I were chatting uh, beforehand. I uh, had our first triple digit heat wave of the of the year for us up here in the Central Valley. So uh, not so great weather up here, but it's all good. Um, you know, I think this is a really unique opportunity because we get some very specific insight into, you know, the defensive line position and of course, some specific insight into you know some of the guys that you've worked with and some additions to the charger so uh really excited about this let's let's start off here because i think not a lot of people are familiar with kind of like having the idea of having a private position coach uh so kind of walk me through here what's the offseason like for you working with these players and what all does your kind of role in their offseason entail yeah so um for me it really gets started um, right around the new year, it'll start with agents hitting me up about, you know, pre-draft guys, combine guys, get ready for that. And that's kind of the, the bloodline of the work, you know, that's how you continue to build the relationships and continue getting classes into the NFL. Then after that, we'll transition from post-combine, we'll get right into, you know, some spring training. Guys will be getting done, Super Bowl will be ending, guys will be getting hungry again to come training. And that's usually when um, the veterans will get in get some like pre-OTA work. We watch a lot of film getting ready for the OTAs to see what they can do with their team. If it's someone like Morgan, for example, or Sebastian, uh, being new to a team, if the scheme changes at all, um, if what they're going to be asked to do changes at all, that that will vary on the guys. And then post-OTAs is just, um, you know, that's when we hit the ground running pretty hard, getting ready for fall camp and knocking out anything else we, we needed to do. So essentially you kind of have these little pockets of time 
with your clients and then you kind of just are, are working with them how in, involved if at all is the team uh in this kind of process and, and kind of working with the scheme and things like that you know some uh not very often you know because every play every every player is different even within the scheme um but you know sometimes there will be connections to the scheme where we'll work on some stuff like that um especially if it's new you know, if it's new to them, we definitely need to change some things in the offseason programming. Um, but the teams, you know, they they do a great job with their players and they, they're they always making sure their players are in good hands in the offseason. So there's an open line of connection between whether it's the front office, director, personnel, stuff like that. We'll make sure all the guys are on the same page. I, and I'm just kind of curious here, uh, what how many pre-draft guys do you usually get versus like veterans? Or is there kind of a mix of both or is it? you know, kind of skew one way or the other? Um, I, I had a class in 2019. I had one guy. And okay. then in 2000, uh, not this last one, but the year before I had nine. And then this last year I had seven. Um, so it just depends. I would say like, you know, this a good class would be anywhere from five to eight guys. Okay. It's manageable for the pre-draft stuff just so that it's not, you know, getting watered down. Gotcha. Just being one person, it's tough. If you got a class of like 15, 20 guys, it's there's a lot you got to work on. Yeah, absolutely. So how long have you uh been able to work with Morgan and Sebastian? Um, I think this is going into year four. For both guys? For Fox, um, consistently for Morgan. This is this will be going into year four. It was off off of his ACL injury. Okay. He got connected um through just mutual friends out in the area and he needed a place to train and he needed someone to work with. Cause he was, I think the biggest thing for him was the confidence coming off with a knee injury. Um, just being able to know that he is good again, you know what I mean? And yeah. so, so that was, that was clutch to be able to um, help him through that mental process. And then uh, Sebastian actually bash, he, he, him and I got connected through John, uh, John Franklin Myers um, after bash's rookie year. Um, John Franklin was still on the team and I think they were both pretty much in the same boat. Didn't know if they were going to get kept, traded, cut. Um, so I was working out with John in the summer and he was like, Hey, a buddy of mine on the team is going to pop in. And Sebastian and I just clicked. And yeah, I mean, he's a, um, he's a contagious, you know, character, man. He just, his energy yeah. is incredible. So it was hard not to relate to those guys just being a football head too. And um, we've been hit it off ever since, man. He's he's done a great job improving every year. So John Flaker Myers, of, for those who don't know, formerly of the Rams, is obviously, and then uh, he plays on the Jets right now. Yeah, Jets. He's had, so, had a great year, by the way. Yeah, he did. He he really did. I think he's going to get a new fat new contract here pretty soon. So uh, you still work with him, and I, I know uh, you've also done some work with Michael Brockers, if I'm not mistaken. You still work with those guys too? Yeah, Brock. Uh, Brock lives out here in the off season, even though he's he's a line now. He he lives out in Calabasas, so he does his off season training out here. We'll connect. He's he. I think he's going into year like eleven. So yeah. his program is not the same as other guys. Where right. you know I see him maybe once a week in the off season. Um, he just needs to sharpen up some things. He already kind of has an idea of what he wants to do, but just good to hit the good to hit the lab every once in a while and sharpen. I haven't seen John uh, in a couple years now since he moved to New York. Um, he's back and forth from New York and Texas, so he doesn't get out to California too much. Gotcha. Yeah, I would imagine that uh, that trek out would be a little bit difficult to do, you know, yeah. frequently. Um, you mentioned 
Morgan's ACL injury um, that happened in 2018, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So, because the Chargers have a few players coming off of this, and I think it's just kind of, you know, really curious again to pick the brain of somebody who works with these players about, you know, recovering from injury. And, and again, you know, someone like Kilio Mack, for example, who had a very different injury, but, you know, had a season ending surgery. What's that process like a little bit? If you could dive into it a little bit deeper, maybe. Uh, for a player coming off an injury like that? I mean, it's 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 part of the game, you know, so it it is what it is, and you can't you can't think too much on that aspect. But you know, I, I think more than anything, it's the mental side of it, you know, trying to get your confidence back to be able to do the things you were doing before because it takes a while and and you know there's ups and downs, and when the downs hit, they're hard on you mentally. You know, you can't cut or get off or push or plan the way you thought you could. And, and it builds a mental block in a sense that you have to be able to get over. Um, so you'll see guys sometimes, you know, they might be six to eight months out of the, out of the injury and cleared to go, but you know, they can't really hit the ground. Like, like you think they'd be able to. Um, and most of that is mental in my opinion. Yeah, you know, it, the, again, the Chargers have a few guys. Kenneth Murray is another one. I don't know if you're familiar with him, uh, an ankle surgery. So, um, you know, these guys that are coming off injuries, I, I'm just so always so curious about how that kind of works. And then, you know, one of the other things you mentioned, of course, was the scheme change. You know, thankfully, Morgan and, and Sebastian don't necessarily have much of a learning curve in that regard. But, you know, if you go back and watch a lot of the Chargers games last year, you know, you could really tell, I think, about just kind of the scheme difference where their previous coaching staff was a little bit more of an aggressive defensive front kind of style. So if you could a little bit, I know there's a lot of phrases that get thrown out in terms of scheme, in terms of being like a one gapping defensive tackle versus a gap and a half or, or two gapping. Kind of walk our listeners through how, what exactly that means and how do those different techniques maybe play a role in evaluating these players? Well, you want players on your defensive line that can wear multiple hats. You know, you don't want to have to plug and play guys. You want someone like Sebastian who can, you know, two gap from the, um, from the zero and play both, both sides of the A versus the run and then still be able to penetrate, get vertical off of pass schemes, uh, bump out to the three technique, even the four technique at times. You know, he can do a lot for you in that sense where you're not you're not showing your hand as a defensive coordinator pre-snap because of where guys are. You know, so having guys like Sebastian and, and then Morgan, the pickup for the Chargers, I mean, it's plug and play for him. If you if you look at that 2020 season with Staley as the DC of the Rams, if A D and Brock weren't, you know, all pro Hall of Fame type of defensive three techs. Yeah. Morgan's probably leading the team in sacks. I think he played 34% of the snaps and had seven sacks and like 28 pressures or something, something incredible like that. So, and he, and you know, he's no joke against the run. So he played a lot of four tech, a lot of five tech and heavy personnel stuff. So just being able to wear different hats um, and doing a lot up front, it's going to, it's going to bring a lot of versatility to what Staley can do. Yeah, and I think, you know, specifically the Morgan signing just gives the Chargers that many more options. And I think, you know, one of the things that some people will kind of look at, you know, all they know is is the stat sheet and they see, you know, Morgan had a, had a little bit of a down year in Carolina versus what he saw in 2020. What would you say to people like that who are just like, you know, 
are not necessarily sure of what the Chargers are getting in that kind of player? I would say just go look at what was going on in Carolina. <laughs> it was a mess. It was a dumpster fire over there. And, and you know, Fox was excited to be there, and he he put his best foot forward every single day. But, you know, it was like, you know, it was just rough, man. They started off hot, had a great defense, and, you know, something happened over there throughout the course of the season that just – you know, it was, it was, you know, deflating and that 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 takes a toll on the players, man. Um, But if you, but if you're, look, I'm be honest, like if you're a film head and you know what you're watching, you turn Fox on every time he was out there. If they left him one-on-one, he was winning or causing pressure. Uh, Probably left. Like we've talked about this, like he's upset about it. He left like three to four sacks on the field last year. You know, so he wasn't far away from the, a back-to-back six, seven-sack season. And we'd be talking about something completely different. Carolina wouldn't have let him go. Yeah. Um, but trust me, he's excited for that. And, and you know, it's, it's, a, it's almost like a refreshing, humbling feeling knowing, man, I, I, I went, signed a big contract, you know, had a letdown of a season in a sense, and now I get a chance to go do a prove-it deal again on a one-year vet men, you know, which he's worth way more. Um, but he knows what it means being back in L.A., being with the Chargers, being in interior three-tech next to Mac and Bosa. So it's not like you're going to be able to single up Morgan Fox and get away yeah. with it for, for four quarters. He's going he's gonna to make, def- make your guards pay. And if you do slide to him, that means you're leaving two of the best pass rushers in the world on islands. and. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure offensive coordinators aren't going to want to see that happen. Yeah, if you, you know, again, if you watch the Chargers last year, I think Joey Bosa got so much attention last year, and, and rightfully so. Um, but in those instances when he's getting double and sometimes triple teamed, the Chargers just frankly did not have enough guys to take advantage of those one-on-one opportunities, and so now, you know, of course, Khalil Mack is going to be a huge help there. You can't double team Joey Bosa with Khalil Mack on the opposite side, but you know, of course, Morgan, you talk about Sebastian Joseph Day being an underrated pass rusher, Cal Van Noy, you can add in that group as well. So um, you can talk about like a legitimately and significantly improved pass rush for the Chargers now that they have all these different options there. I, I agree 100 percent. And it's funny, too, because, um, you know, Fox and Bash work out in the offseason together. And, you know, when Bash was going through his free agency stuff, like we were all talking and when he, you know, when we were like, oh, it's the Chargers, like Fox and I, you know, we looked at each other, we were like, that's where you need to go. Like, that's it. There was a couple other places, but we were like, you know, if you land, if you land there, it's like Bosa off one edge, Mac off one edge, there is no pocket to get out of, you know, and right he's just going to be licking his chops if he if he if he's in a good in that type of situation consistently throughout the season um the Chargers defensive line is just it's scary it really is and I think for for Morgan specifically like this is a really good opportunity for him to earn potentially a long-term deal I mean look at the the people that are in Los Angeles and you know Jerry Tillery is a free agent after this year Brain Fajoko these guys that have kind of been around for a while are free agents and of course you have you know, Sebastian, Austin Johnson, and um, Otito Boni, who they just drafted, those are more of kind of your your run stuffing guys, although I feel like Sebastian is is a bit of both, like you said. But if he can really carve out a role as a pass rusher, then I think he could be on this Chargers team long term. 
Yeah, I could see it too. And and obviously Staley Staley being comfortable with Fox. You know, Fox had seven sacks. I mean, we call we count it eight. I'll be honest with you because okay. if you watch the tape against Tampa in 2020, he strip sacked t- Tom Brady in the end zone, and they called it a, a incomplete pass simply because it's Tom Brady. <laughs> so that's a little that's a little joke we have we've had for a couple of years now. Should have been eight, but um. But I think, you know, I think Bash, like you said, underrated pass rusher. He pushes the pocket extremely well. He's really good off of uh, defensive line stunts and games up front. Uh, you know, he'll pick some people, get some people open. And he's extremely athletic for his size, so he, he has a great motor. And he's always looking to clean up stuff that, that does get out of the pocket. So I think they got a great type of, like, sub-package group, in my opinion, when, it, when you look at that. And uh, like you mentioned, like Austin Johnson – you know, I've watched some of his stuff. I think he was with the Giants. Yeah. He looks great. You know, he's he's one of those, like Bash, like multiple hat type defensive linemen. Uh, I worked with Otito for pre-draft. So, okay. And I had Otito because he was UCLA. So I had a, a connection with Otito through Oso Digizua, who was uh, with the Cowboys. They played together. That's one of my yeah. guys. So he connected me with, uh, with Otito. And Tito and I hit it running for pre-draft. And I'm I'm excited because during his visit process, he he called me and was like, Chargers. It's going to be the Chargers. So I was pumped for him to stay in L.A. And, and, and you know, he's in a great room uh, being with Bash and Fox and those other guys. It's I think, uh, yeah, Fox texted me a couple of days ago, was like, man, when Otito gets it, he's going to he's going to be good. So, you know, the future's bright for the Chargers. And Chargers getting all your guys. So now we now we know. I love you know. it, man. Now it's split up now. It was all Rams. Now it's all Chargers. So spend some time in SoFi this year. There we go. So now our listeners next year will pay attention to who Ed's working with. And we'll probably you know, end up with one of those dudes. Um, you know, Tito is such an interesting background for me because we had a, a UCLA beat writer on our show. And he was saying that, you know, Tito has been so focused on doing the shot put stuff for a while now. And this is really this year was the first time that he had like a full off season to be all about football. And you know what? It's funny that that's kind of true. Right. But even going in from from college transferring to the pros or transitioning to the pros, it's so tough. People don't understand that the workload these kids have, Yeah, you know, going from just being a student athlete into learning how to be a professional going through the combine, the senior bowl, hiring an agent, uh, uh, traveling to teams, the draft, doing all that shit. It's, it's, it's exhausting. So it's not really truly his first off season where he gets to focus on football, which people should be excited about because when he does get that after his rookie year, Otito is going to be, he's, he's a project in a sense, but he is going to be an absolute staple in somebody's defense for a long time. Um, he's one of the most powerful human beings I've ever been around from rookies to 10, 10 year vets. I've, I haven't seen power like this before. Um, him and I actually had the same high school coach in Houston, wow. Texas. So it's a super small world. We, um, that's kind of how it all like all went together. And his agent and I have worked together in the past. So it was like a super small world in that sense with Tito. And, and, and we were able to connect and get some chemistry through that. Uh, to make our work better together. Um, but I'm excited for him, man, because he's got a great opportunity to learn behind guys like Sebastian and guys like Austin Johnson and just be in that room uh, filled with greatness. 
Um, it's going to really yeah. you know, skyrocket his his potential. Yeah, and I think, you know, again, somebody that I think has a great opportunity because if there, for me, there's like a clear line of success, succession, excuse me, or, or playing time. You know, Christian Covington, Braden Fajoko, we don't really know who that kind of third interior guy is going to be. And, you know, they're both free agents next year. So Tito next year will get to be, be playing a lot more. And then after that, Austin Johnson's a free agent. So, you know, Tito, I feel like it has a very clean line of, uh, of progression, if you will. I'm curious, since you've worked with both of them, how would you kind of compare Sebastian and Tito where that, you know, obviously, you know, not asking you to compare who they are right now, but, you know, when you got to know Sebastian to start versus where you got to know Tito to start, how would you kind of compare those two? I think they're very similar. um, They have a very similar mindset, in my opinion. You know, they're, you know, fifth, sixth round draft pick. um, Weren't, wasn't a lot of hype on them coming out of college. Uh, you know, interior, you know, two gapper type guys. Uh, nobody labeled them as a pass rushing threat at all. And, um, you know, similar, similar stature too. Um, I would say Bash is a little more technically sound coming out. He had, in my opinion, he just had some better footwork, um, but didn't have, doesn't have the power like Otito, you know, so they uh, different in that sense, but um, you know, I could see Tito being able to pick up a lot of the traits that Sebastian's learned through, you know, having great defensive line coaches and being around greatness like AD and Brock, um, you know, so I think he's going to be able to, they're going to be able to work off of each other. And, you know, Otito, Otito's so smart. This, this is what people, I think he was like a 4.0, his whole college, high school, like way too smart, sometimes an overthinker because he's so smart. Um, but, you know, he's, he's going to pick up these things and he's going to learn on the fly really quickly. Yeah, he was asked in his uh, post-draft presser why he chose to go to UCLA because you don't really see many defensive tackles from Texas end up at UCLA. And, and he said, like, I wanted to go get a quality education. And, you know, UCLA, one of the best in the business in that regard. No doubt, man. He's got a, he's got a great head on his shoulders. Yeah, uh, Kind of a theme of the draft this past year, if you really dig into it. I've, you know, Zion Johnson has a master's degree in uh, cybersecurity. I think JT Woods uh, was like another, you know, 4.0 student. So, uh, you know, Tito will fit right in and he'll also fit right in because apparently he loves to, to smoke meats and uh, Justin oh, yeah. Herbert loves to smoke meats as well as a bunch of the other guys on the team. Yeah, he owes me a, a little cookout. <laughs> I talked to him about that once I found that out. Um, but, you know, it's funny about Zion is is during the senior bowl, you know, they were they were seeing each other the whole time. Yeah. And it's just, it's just interesting that they became teammates. Um you look at it, you look at it that way. Like they were really, really competing against each other throughout the entire senior bowl. And then now they get to go to camp together. That's, it's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. And I think if, you know, people, you go back to kind of what people were saying at the senior bowl, everybody was like, who's this kid from UCLA? That's kind of, uh, you know, holding his own against Zion Johnson, who, you know, in my opinion, rightfully was perceived as kind of the best guard in the draft. No doubt. They had some battles, I think. Um, Zion hit him a couple times early, beat him, and then Otito came back the next day and beat him. So you love to see that competitive um, fire in, in guys when they lose. They're able to strap it back up and bounce back and win a couple. That, that That's great. Yeah, well, I think I, I hope that, uh, you know, our listeners kind of share the excitement here, especially about Tito. And I know we were kind of intending to focus more on Morgan and Sebastian, but I feel like you know kind of what you're getting. So hopefully this kind of fired up people up about what they're getting in, in uh, Tito Bonia. So uh, Ed, really appreciate your time today. Where can uh, some of our listeners find you if they want to, you know, learn more about defensive line stuff? And what do you have coming 
you know, now that the OTAs have kind of started, NFL is kind of back in swing uh, and all that good stuff. Uh, I'm on, on Twitter. It's D line coach Ed. Um, and then on Instagram, it's just my full name, Eddie McGilra. Um, but yeah, I mean, I post some of the drills with the guys on there and, you know, kind of talk ball a little bit, but I'm, I'm excited for OTAs to be here because the sooner they're here, the sooner they end. Um, <laughs> I still have some vets coming in here soon and uh, just excited, man. Come, come June, you know, we, we kick it off for like six straight weeks and about 30 guys or so. And we just go, um, it's going to be a really, really good summer. Excited to help these guys get better going into another season. Yeah, absolutely. Really excited to uh, follow along in that journey. Uh, excited to see what all of your uh, pupils, if you will, will uh, bring to the Chargers and hopefully they'll stay healthy. I'll have a very successful season. So, Ed, appreciate your time, man. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. I appreciate you having me, man.